0: Look at the adjective, play. I him, man. You, Booker,
1: man. And I have had the brain, the genus. All right, a shot! Hey. Hey. I told you. I told you. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, gonna put the butts in the seat.
0: Hello there wrestling fans and welcome to episode 29 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. I am the twisted genius Dean Ayers alongside my esteemed co-host, the sports communist of course, Mr. Liam Happ. Liam, how are you doing?
1: I am doing very red, I guess. Red, is that the right colour? Red, communist? Yes, it's such indeed. an antiquated joke Dean I can't even remember I'm not even that old well, it,
0: it's, it's like a Bobby Heenan commentary reference it's about you know it 30 is, years out of date
1: and it's one that you're determined to make stick I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for someone to go oh you're a sports communist it's going to happen it's, it's a matter of when not if but yeah I'm, I'm very tired at the moment uh, so it happens incidentally last night uh, just before my, my almost three year old daughter's bedtime she's noticed something she's got like a little toy uh, globe atlas and she's noticed something and asked us to explain it and we've told her it's uh, it's a picture of big ben or, or the tower that houses the big ben chimes as we adults know it mm-hmm. uh, and as we've explained to her before i know it i'm agreeing this morning to take her to london being dragged around all over central london like a bloody tourist Nice. So, um, do, do you know what? It was an amazing day. Uh, as someone who was born and raised in Mile End, Bow, East London, uh, and was always a fifteen-minute tube ride away from these things, I just never had any sort of appreciation for them. I took them very much for granted. They were never, they were never wow, you know, to have them so close and to see them so often in my life. Uh, and obviously, when you're able to do it with a, a young child and and you live vicariously through them suddenly you you see the magical area and so for the first time i felt like a proper tourist so in that respect it was good it was, it was a good day but yeah i am laying down upside down absolutely knackered off
0: <laughs> but did, did that mean that your daughter went to sleep no problem at all
1: oh yeah that was that was the easiest part of the day she <laughs> yeah. was out cold at seven o'clock
0: <laughs>
1: they there even need go. to use the mallet this time that was a, that was a joke child <laughs> services
0: so you say you you're born or you grew up in bow east london
1: yes uh, So you, a, you
0: are a, a genuine cockney yep
1: excellent within, within sound of the bow bells you'll remember and any anyone who's been uh i'll, I'll be polite and say dedicated enough to uh, following because they were fans of yourself and anything else about the FWA, you might remember some idiot uh, who was part of a little fan subgroup called the Mile End Posse. And uh, yeah, Mile End was, was a shoot brother. My mum cool, still lives so, there.
0: So you're the, you're the Cockney communist?
1: The Cockney I like that. The there Cockney you go. Communist. It's ironic given that most people from that area are... <laughs> very much sun newspaper readers <laughs> listen up slap nuts that's
0: right this is jeff Jarrett, the chosen one and you're listening to because wcw now choke on that we're looking we're looking at episode six of nitro we'll, we'll be pressing play shortly but but this is a very interesting episode isn't it as far as the the history of wcw
1: goes well it's it's a bit of a progressive thing, I guess, when it comes to Hulk Hogan and what would be known in hindsight as his little his little dummy run of showing hill tendencies and an, or, or maybe an edge is a is a better term. He's, he's trying to be a bit tweener dressing in black and he's, uh, I believe this is the we'll find that for sure in a second I'll do a tiny bit of research but i try not to spoil too much for the watch-alongs unlike the pay-per-view episodes we do uh, and I believe this is a debut of him dressing up in black for, for a very temporary period and he he was trying to show that little wedge that would obviously be a dummy run for Hollywood Hogan which, well, when they pulled the trigger out on that It was great, but as for this, not so much. And we'll explain why as we go along.
0: And uh, it's also worth bearing in mind that this weekend that had just passed before the Nitro, obviously, on the Monday, was, uh, I believe, um, Eric Bischoff was at the Tokyo Dome for Keiji Muto v Noburiko Takada, which was the New Japan versus UWFI feud, which gave him the inspiration for the old promotion invading promotion gimmick and the uh, the creation of the new world order
1: yeah it's it's really good that we've just stopped to have a little note on that cause we'll we'll go on the, on the flyer as the episode goes and focus on what's in front of us but yeah it's worth just taking a little moment to reflect on that because it's it, I do love a bit of foreshadowing, even inadvertently, and in this case, this is <laughs> this episode, whether it turns out to be six out of six in good episodes, or it's the first time we're not a huge fan of watching it, whatever happens, there's a foreshadowing, is fantastic here, and it's it's great knowing what happens in, well, at this point, we're, oh, we're only about seven months away.
0: Whoa. But uh, you, yeah, you know, it's probably accidental because let's face it, this is WCW. They wouldn't have planned that far in advance.
1: Yeah, it's accidental, but kind of seminal in the. I would like to think that if someone, everyone has even from from the people you can rely upon to the compulsive liars. One thing that everyone has agreed upon when it comes to talking about what happened at Bash of the Beach '96 is that hulk hogan sat on the fence on the idea for a while he wasn't sure for a little while as to whether or not he should do this obviously like someone someone who brings in the money and gets such a large cut in his contract as he does doesn't want to turn heel if it ends up really flattening his income so i like to think that having this little taste of pretending to be a heel and soaking in the booze that were blatantly there may well have just made him a little more comfortable with it when push comes to shove but who knows who knows
0: okay so um if you uh are watching along at home then uh we have got the wwe network uh up and we have pressed uh episode six of monday nitro from october the 9th 1995 We've gone past the little advert and we have got it paused on 0000 as always. So, excuse me. Um, Liam, are you ready and poised?
1: I'm ready and I'm confident we're going to be within like a millisecond of each other. We're getting better with each time and getting super (laughs) simultaneous. Yes,
0: we are are indeed. So, we will press play in three, two, two, one. one,
1: play. Hang on, where are my burning buildings? Oh, oh this last week.
0: <laughs> we've got, yes, we've got Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan as the old woman. Oh, of course he shaved the moustache up, yes, didn't Yes,
1: it's Hulk Hitler. That's how you experiment with a hill turn. You get a Hitler moustache.
0: Of course.
1: And yeah, as I said last week, I was a huge fan of Kevin Sullivan just doing more, and more outrageous incognito run-ins. That should have been his gimmick going forward, because the task muscle's dead.
0: Yeah, here's your burning buildings, by the Finally.
1: way. Finally, but yeah, the recap makes sense. It's a, it's an episo- an episodic aspect of the show that they actually hadn't really bothered much with until now. So it makes sense that they're doing the old teasers, cliffhangers, stuff like that.
0: So we are in Chicago, big-time wrestling city. Somewhere that WWF and WCW have run both many, many times.
1: Usually a reliable audience, both at the box office and in the seats, as far as noise goes. Usually. Oh, God. (laughs) They're... All three of the commentary team are wearing bears jerseys.
0: Oh, of course Steven Michaels Chicago Bears, isn't he?
1: They've, yeah, they've done the old gag where they're not sure what way the camera is, which really doesn't work.
0: So it's a, uh, it's a packed, packed house, half of which was paper, pardon, me, half of which was papered.
1: Yeah, I think that was a symptom more of what wrestling as a whole had done to Chicago, not necessarily just WCW. But yeah, it wasn't quite the hotbed that it was before and has been since, to be fair.
0: Well, you've got to think about the great CM Punk-John Cena match. Oh, man.
1: they I yeah. think the attitude here had got it back because they were smart enough to, to play a lot of TV and pay-per-views in Chicago, Oh, here comes not.
0: Sting, sorry to interrupt, <laughs> with a US title belt, which he won't be throwing in the bin.
1: <laughs> a couple more months for that.
0: What's Sting got to say?
1: Oh, oh, it's an intervention.
0: Yeah, he wants to stop the feud between Macho Man and Luger.
1: It's going to solve the problem. Okay.
0: Okay. And after that, maybe Israel and Palestine.
1: Well, if this leads to some of the complex relationship between Sting and Luger that I absolutely love and I can't wait for future episodes. Ah, oh, yes. I'm all for it.
0: Yes. The, um, uncensored 96 episode, wasn't it?
1: Oh, and he's, he's going to be in our first match. We're not wasting any time here. Uh,
0: he's from Tsunami. How does that even work?
1: Uh, Rodney Marsh should make it work, I'm sure. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember I, that? I do indeed. He's from Newcastle United.
0: I love to so say we, we had we had Giant Haystacks build as Loch Ness a place, and now we've got Shark build from a weather condition.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. This is a horrible gimmick for John Tenter and... Uh... Shark or Tentering any guys versus Sting isn't really super box office in 1995. But I'm looking forward to this because I like both guys. The dynamic is great. And I know well, Penza's yeah. announcing and they're playing Man Called Sting. So if you still listen to the show, and I don't blame you if you don't, David, sorry about you having to listen to Man Called Sting again.
0: Which I always say sounds like Man Called Dean.
1: Yeah, but the other lyrics still suck
0: <laughs> so here comes the peacekeeper sting should be wearing his little blue uh, united nations beret
1: you think about it, even before he started the crow gimmick and he was kind of he became the vigilante that WWE then hammered down our throats 20 years later uh even just before that he was still showing that sort of uh conscience of wcw aspect. I like it.
0: And his face paint is just black and white and he's been jumped by Shark already who's now got the <laughs> belt. Oh he's just put it down again.
1: He's doing all the classics jumps him as soon as he gets in the ring poses with a belt that's not his Hill 101. Big always power slam. Like yeah that. I always like that power slam he does.
0: And a nice big elbow. So, like we said, you know exactly what you get with these two. Yeah. Oh, big leg drop.
1: He was never amazing, John Tenter. and people looking for oh, he's just a big fat dude. But I liked him. He he was a smart performer.
0: I thought he was great. I really did. And one of the nicest people I've ever met. Terrible shame that we we lost him so young to cancer. Yeah. Well. Misses the splash in the corner, and Sting now has some kind of clumsy stinger splash with shark facing the wrong way. And now he's kind of leaping. He's leaping up, kind of onto the top rope, looking very agile for a man of his size. Mm. He's now discombobulated. Sting is up on the top rope, ready for either a clothesline or a crossbody block. It's a crossbody block. That could be it. <laughs> it is. That is it. And uh, Nick Patrick, who thankfully doesn't have to take a bump, <laughs> counts the counts three. Shark chases after him, which means he's not really selling me crossbody, but hey.
1: Well, you know, there's no reason for him to be massively damaged. First off, they're showing the replay now of the Sting Splashes. They are a bit awkward, but kind of like what they tried to do. This. So basically, Tenta's like, a foot away from the ring post, so the splash would knock him into the post, which was yeah, which was novel. It was different, um, and yeah, g- given what we were saying about their relative positions, why not do it fast for TV? I,
0: I get the it. feeling that that might be the uh, the theme of the night, but hey, um, it's yeah, it's a fast, it's a fast crash bang wallet match.
1: I don't. Well, Sorry, I, was to say, I don't agree with Vince Russo trying to make every match on the TV show less than two minutes, but there's certain times where it really helps. I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, this is uh, we've gone back to a recap of the of the Hogan interview from last week with uh, his neck brace on and uh, on and uh, talking about the big stinky giant, of course.
1: Oh, I'll get the counter ready for that today.
0: Yeah, you know the big stinky giant, Andre's son.
1: Looking forward to the point in time where they actually drop that and realise what a bad fucking idea it was.
0: Yeah. And once again, we're now going to get the angle with there's Kevin Sullivan throwing uh, powder in his eyes. There's a woman with a moustache.
1: He makes a very... Other than moustache, he makes a very convincing old woman. <laughs> A little, little bit like Rowdy Ricky Knight and Draggy, looks like.
0: <laughs> I do like your idea, though, of Kevin Sullivan just, just attacking people in more and more random disguises.
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd have gone full balls on with it because he, he, he showed up in full Taskmaster gear at a beach to attack uh, Randy Savage, didn't he? And then this, I'd have just gone completely nuts with it.
0: Yeah. So we've, we've now got the giant in the ring and Zodiac. So this is all a recap of what we saw last week, because as we have established, Liam, when Poochie's not on the show, we must talk about Poochie.
1: Yeah, I, I don't like it for that. And to be honest, I mean, you know, I was complimenting the fact they did that right at the top of the show. It makes sense. So the, the whole uh, tying the episodes together for those who might have missed it or whatever, but no, this is the second time. Are we going to have a third or fourth?
0: And now we're well. shaving the mustache off.
1: if you if you go if you go very close in and listen very carefully, have the volume up, you can hear Hogan as half his mustache comes off, you can hear him say "Zikile." asterisk, you can't actually hear that. But that's a tremendous hit in the mustache.
0: And that's it, and we've got uh, Sabu and the wonderfully named Mr. JL coming up next.
1: Yeah, well, the segue from Sullivan there, you've heard that story, haven't you? What? Uh, I think Jerry Lynn uh, himself said it in a Power Slam interview back in the day. Uh, he was tasked with coming up with his own name for a masked luchador type, and he tried to come up with some fancy names that fit in with the style of, of luchador names. And at one point, when he was uh, brainstorming, uh, Kevin Sullivan, who was the booker at the time, said, oh, fuck it, just call him JL. <laughs> and he said, at that point, he knew his time at WCW would be fleeting.
0: Ah. Wow. Why well, they didn't just bring him in as Jerry Lynn? I've got no idea.
1: Or, or at the very least, maybe emphasize the the fact that he's an American mass wrestler, like American Dragon did years later. A lot, you know, there were options. They they think he's not marketable without without a uh a mask on. Fair enough, I don't agree, but fair enough. They don't have a, a Paul Heyman creative genius there, so obviously yeah. they're limited in that respect. But at least at least try, not just give up.
0: Yeah, so so Sabu's making his way to the ring, looking like he does not give a shit, not a single solitary shit.
1: Nothing's changed.
0: No. And obviously he had tremendous heat with ECW fans at this point because he'd left ECW to go to WCW via New Japan.
1: And he has about as much access to Twitter here in 1995 as he does to this very day because, you know, he's been kicked off for being homophobic.
0: Oh, has he? I didn't know that.
1: No one misses him.
0: Here comes Mr. JL.
1: the very mysterious J-
0: <laughs> hang on that who was that in the audience he looked familiar
1: I'm, not, I'm, I'm gonna have to go back and check that now
0: that seriously looked like someone who's like well known now and I can't place it
1: I think I recognise JL's theme song it's one one that was interchangeable W themes I'm gonna have to look that up and see who else used that as well now
0: you love your theme tunes Yes. So, here we go. Sabu with the right
1: hand. So, JL's outfit is part Power Ranger, part Rey Mysterio, part chess piece. Yes.
0: Slingshot, some sort of leg drop from Sabu, sits him up. Leg lariat, which kind of misses badly. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, Sabu's basically just immediately going straight for all of his like well-known spots. Botches included. Chin lock in 30 seconds.
0: Oh, now a spinning flying elbow from JL.
1: Wow, we got some offense.
0: (laughs) And the crowd chanting Hogan sucks.
1: So does that mean next week we're going to be watching Hulk Hogan beat Sabu clean with a leg drop? Yep.
0: Suicide dive, Tope, whatever you want to call it, from JL on the floor onto Sabu. So this is basically a million miles an hour because probably they have only got a couple of minutes.
1: Yeah. And yeah, we've seen a few of these Star Wars matches since we started doing these watch alongs, and yet this one's just not very good, is it?
0: It is basically trying to, well, they're, they're, trying, they're trying to cram as much as they physically can in the short time they've got given. Spin yeah. kick from Sabu knocks JL out the ring.
1: Best move I've seen him here. I think that was really good.
0: Sabu's going for a dive himself, flip plancher over the top. Both men are down on the floor. Little bit of a pop for that. I mean, that's a that's a high risk move in the in 95. That's a yeah, that was a big big high spot. That's yeah. the time now. Sabu's got himself a chair. Slings JL into the guardrail. Referee has uh, come outside because obviously they're going to not break the count. And Sabu does the, the kind of the Hardy, Jeff Hardy style hip, flying hip attack using the chair as a springboard.
1: Yeah. He always does like using that unfolded chair. It's not really, he always does these triple jump things, but that wasn't one of them because he usually does it where he uses the chair just to get up on the ropes and do something. Yeah. Loves that unfolded chair.
0: It's more stable. Oh, German suplex from nice. JL.
1: He always had an underrated German suplex.
0: He was he was generally just great. He he wrestled a few fair few times for FWA Jerry Lynn. He was awesome bloke. It
1: was one oh, of the reasons drop- I came down to shows. To be honest, I, oh. I was always a big fan of his in ECW, and I did want to get down to some some like some British wrestling shows as a teenager, but. Sometimes it's, you know, so if anyone ever says he was never a draw, they're lying because he drew me.
0: Arabian moonsault from Sabu. Now he's going for the camel clutch. It's
1: usually it, isn't it?
0: No, not yet. Oh, he's got to the rope. So no, no submission. No mention of the Sheik commentary there. Yeah,
1: so they're actually getting. Obviously, it's not going to be a long, long match, but they're getting a bit of time here, and they still saw sort fit of just to rush through a massive catalog.
0: Yep. Oh. <laughs> Jerry Lynn hits a draping DDC, like the old uh, two count, like the old Martin Stone London Bridge or Randy Orton. Do you notice how uh, Pee Wee Anderson did the old lifting the shoulder up in time trick? Yeah. Pretending that you're checking the shoulders down when really you're lifting their shoulder up to make sure they kick out. Right, JL went to the top. Sabu's cut him off. He's going for a top rope Frankensteiner. JL holds on. Sabu lands flat on his face. Blocks a a Frankensteiner attempt with a... uh, with a power no. bomb sort of thing, and then he gets a camel clutch. That was a bit of a weird ending.
1: Did you see that, though? As Sabu got to his feet and JL prepped the top rope right move that Sabu turned into the powerbomb, Sabu found half a second to quickly do his little pose where he points yes, to the ceiling. Yes, he points
0: to the ceiling, but yes. <laughs> that
1: was so random.
0: And he's now continuing to... Oh, he's going... Oh, they fucked that up. He went for a uh, sunset power bomb onto the floor, but didn't quite get it all, and he's now being sent to the back, and he's probably going to be moaning about that, like he moans about everything. Hey.
1: Yeah, I feel like I would really need the benefit of being there at the time to know whether or not that was worth it, because with hindsight, with 2019 eyes, it, it just seemed like a random bunch of stuff, but... And to be honest, with hindsight as well, we know it didn't have that much of an effect on the mainstream audience because Sabu wasn't their long novels, JL, but...
0: No. The um, liked it, I guess. There's definitely a reaction from... People knew who he was, definitely, you know, but um, I think it I think it was of its time, you know? It was one of those things. At the time, it was exciting, it was new, and now it just looks like a bit of a car crash.
1: Yeah. I just noticed that... Um, so... Mongo's got 76. I'm guessing that's his proper jersey number. Eric Bischoff has a number one. And uh, Bobby there has a question mark. Yeah. He's the Riddler.
0: I think Sting is in, in the background. I can see that Sting is in the ring, I believe. Is that Luger as well?
1: Yeah, well, here's a question. Did Sting ever leave ringside? Maybe he was in the front row watching that train wreck.
0: Maybe. It is a summit. With Mean Gene.
1: That's what mince it as a summit. You've got to have Mean Gene at a summit.
0: I love the way that Luger is rocking the smart casual look, but with a mullet. (laughs) Sting wants the macho man out as well, yeah.
1: He's going to make them hug it out.
0: Now, if I was Luger, I'd be unhappy that I had to just walk to the ring... And Savage gets his entrance music.
1: He's been revivaled.
0: Holy shit, look at this outfit. Savage looks like he's like wearing my nan's old sofa. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. that That is Del Boy's living room, isn't it? On his, on his body.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Del Boy's living room. You hit the nail on the head. See, my nan was from, what, just outside Peckham.
1: He he looks like he, he sat back and watched a fight between a tiger and a leopard where they killed each other at the same time and mauled each other and ripped each other to little tassels and shreds, then casually walked over and, and put them on his back.
0: Oh, here you go. Sting is talking about the fact that the giant has chokeslammed
1: everyone. Common enemy. Good tactic <laughs> if you're trying to bring two yep. people together.
0: And Sting's uh, Sting's face paint is intact because his match with shark lasted less than two minutes.
1: Massive fan of that, for that reason, keeping the face paint. I've got to say, personally, my tactic, if old Sting trying to make uh, Savage and Luger be friends again, I would point out that both of them are dressed like absolute fucking idiots and hope that that would offend them both and make them turn against me. You know that old tactic where yeah. you make yourself the bad guy. Say, look at the state of you pair. And then they'd, stay, they'd be on each other's team. They'd beat the crap <gasps> out of you, but... Yeah. Maybe they go see a tailor afterwards.
0: Right, so Sting is telling Savage not to slap anyone in the face.
1: He, he's giving some master
0: vibes. So Halloween Havoc, it's Luga v Meng and Savage v Kamala. That's a draw, isn't it?
1: Oh, well, here, here's the catch.
0: Oh, so apparently the way to get peace between Luger and Savage is for them to fight each other. Sting has been removed from the Israel-Palestine task.
1: The, yeah, they are leaning towards Savage being the good guy here and Luger the hill, which is where they eventually went. And it was never really clear between these two before. But this is the first sign, that's the way they're going.
0: Yep, Sting is now arguing with Luger.
1: Oh, he's calling him out. Love it.
0: He's tired of sticking up for Luger.
1: This is the start of one of my favourite relationships in WCW.
0: So he wants to know if he'll face the macho man.
1: Dramatic pause. Oh, he's questioning his manhood.
0: Oh, am I talking to the total total package? So, how the hell, how does the logic work of if they, if he wants peace between Luger and Savage, the way to get this is for them to fight each other, assuming they win their matches against their hopelessly overmatched opposition?
1: I guess his logic is that they take care of the people who stick their nose in first, which is what compromised the match the two of them had on Nitro. Uh, and I suppose it makes logic in one other sense, because you say, oh, well, why, why say they have to win their matches? Because uh, it guarantees they will, because they're not going to deny us the match. But let's face it, everyone knew they were going to beat those two yeah. scrubs anyway. So, no hard, then, no foul. Yeah. I'm not saying it's great booking, but no hard, no foul.
0: There, there was there was another another answer that I, I have on my card. It's a, it's a lot shorter. In fact, it's two words. Suck it. Mm, no, it's 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 closer to closer to home than that. You know, maybe uh, maybe what we call this podcast. You know. Uh,
1: no, I'm drawing a blank, mate. The, um,
0: the answer of why to me, the answer of why. Oh, hang on, t- hang on,
1: hang on. This yeah. disco infernos theme. Disco's coming out.
0: And you yes, see, oh, I am oh.
1: pulling your chain, Dean. I'm sorry. <laughs> Has he been banned from Twitter yet? No, because then there would be no reason to log on. Oh, okay. But go on, you, get your line in. Go on, say it.
0: Because WCW. There
1: we go. So I just caught him. Ding, well, ding,
0: ding, ding, ding.
1: I'm in one of those moods today. I had to be an arse. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I no, don't I think he's doing, actually scheduled he's for a fun. match, by the way. Probably not. Which is why early disco was so fun.
0: We also had a brief glimpse of Chris Benoit arriving at, at the building.
1: And he had a yeah. mullet that, in my he opinion, trunks yeah. Lugas.
0: It was a, a sort of a fluffy, a, a kind of a fluffy dry mullet. It looked most uncomfortable. Oh. Well, Yep, so disco has been dancing and now the music has stopped and someone else's music has begun.
1: Yeah, it's been overtaken by the best generic hill music you ever hear, Big Bubba Rogers.
0: Big Bubba Rogers. And Disco Inferno is now dancing (laughs) with a a little ghetto blaster on his shoulder and Bubba's just ignored him and walked past. He
1: deadpanned the shit out of him. That was actually glorious.
0: I thought he was going to punch him in the face.
1: (laughs) I... That entertained the hell out of me.
0: And disco's music is genuinely playing on the ghetto blaster.
1: You can hear the clash between what they're trying yes. to play over the arena and what he's doing there.
0: Worst mix ever, but but very entertaining. Here comes Hawk. Oh, uh, is this is this one of our quick, let's try and draw a crowd in Chicago and put yes. Hulk on. Yes,
1: we had Sabu, I, th- I think from proximity, you know, Detroit, the Sheik, I think he. there was definitely a good reaction because of that. Oh, I think Hawk's going to kick his stinking teeth down his stinking throat. No, he didn't. No?
0: What's, uh... <laughs> What's Disco done now? He's put someone's hat on one of Hawk's spikes.
1: As revenge for Hawk, like, making him flinch and threatening to hit him, but not.
0: Well, that'll, it's a WCW cap. Well, that'll, that'll do it.
1: Okay, I know it's, I know it's the cool thing to hate on Disco because he comes out with a lot of crap at times on Twitter, but I have to ask, why was he not immediately made WCW champion?
0: (laughs) He was hugely entertaining.
1: And then he should have held it until Ernest the Cat Miller found his groove as a heel.
0: Oh, amazing. That'd and that should, have
1: been the, that should have been the Bill and Endor WCW title lineage. Mostly because yeah. it would have killed the company. But I don't care.
0: So, once again, we have the heel jumping the face to start the match.
1: Good. Now, put your feet on the ropes when you pin him. We'll try and pin him.
0: Apparently, this is Hawke's first match back since his arm was broken.
1: Ah. Not entirely up to speed with whether that was an angle or not, to be honest. He's over in Chicago. Surprise, surprise.
0: Yeah, and he's now no-selling. Oh, he's selling again.
1: He's allowed to. Him and the yes. Samoans.
0: Ah, the uh, rule of wrestling that all Simone's genetically have ridiculously hard heads.
1: Yep. Rogers was trying to ram his head into a turnbuckle. He's a lad to know so.
0: Oh, but he eats a boot. Oh, straight into a power slam from Hawk. And Bossman was a big lad. (laughs) Oh, Disco. Disco's on the apron now, dancing. And now he's going to get the shit kicked out of him by Hawk. Yep. Oh can. no, he's just, he's literally ripping the shirt off his back.
1: Which is fair play because it, uh, only Macho Man and Luger were dressed worse than Disco. Yes. At least he can say it's part of the actual gimmick.
0: So, Hawk is now beating the ever-loving crap out of Disco while referee Nick Patrick in the background is counting him out.
1: Yeah, and you can tell it's going to be a count. Well, oh, he's,
0: he's now realizing he's now running. Why?
1: Do you know you could tell that was definitely going to be a 10 count at the end of the match? Because the referee was counting competently. <laughs> it's true, isn't it?
0: Unlike the uh, previous Sabu match where he was getting dangerously close to 10 and jumped out of the ring and told him to get back in there.
1: Yeah, and they and they count like ridiculously slow. When this they're actually counting competently, they're, they're, they're actually doing the finish.
0: They're doing their job. So it's been a a star-studded nitro so far. Oh, shit. It's the interview with Hogan. Here we go. Here we go. This is not a drill. Well, actually, it was a drill. This was a practice run, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: I, I have to disclaimer. It's not really such a thing as the Hulk Hogan interview at this point. He basically ran off about six in as many weeks that were ridiculous. But this is the debut of The Black. He's even got a black, black neck brace. That's commitment.
0: And Jimmy Hart's dressed all in black. It's like they're going to a funeral.
1: The funeral of selling out Chicago, maybe.
0: Yeah, and the big gold cross as well, of course. And so the black, yeah, I love black neck brace, black bandana, no moustache.
1: Yeah, I'm disappointed he didn't keep the little bit that Kevin Sullivan left on.
0: Mm -hmm. Look, there's the guy that I was talking about with the banner there. He looks hugely familiar, and I'm trying to think who the hell he is.
1: I missed that one myself. I'm going to have to go back now. I'm going to have to tweet it out, aren't we?
0: It's going to be blindingly obvious.
1: Not to me, because I couldn't even figure it out myself. (laughs) I didn't even notice he was on the screen. Oh, here we
0: go. Oh, he's told Gene and Jimmy to shut up.
1: Yeah. But he hammered mm-hmm. home that Jimmy Hart's his best friend because, you know, he has to really foreshadow that hill turn that's coming up.
0: It's time to take care of business.
1: <sighs> the big giant, not the big stinky giant. Oh, Andre reference. And Yeah. Number one. If his he's son, done. ding, ding, ding. Fuck. This is going to get uncomfortable.
0: Oh, Hogan is saying if Giant comes out now, he'll rip his neck brace off and beat him in the ring right now. Oh, he's been barred from the building. Apparently there's an injunction out.
1: Because that's that's uh, (laughs) our restraining orders work, isn't it?
0: Something like that. Hogan's refusing to accept that. He's also the most tanned man in the world.
1: Uh Oh, Oh, here we go. Failed shots at Vince. Vince is dying. Apparently
0: Vince is dying and choking, yeah.
1: Although, to be fair, a year before this, the the company was in serious trouble.
0: Although I reckon they could probably get more than half the fans in the uh, Rosemont Horizon to pay.
1: Potentially. Things were about to really shift in WCW's favour, to be fair. That's not going to help Hogan's ego here.
0: No. He's wanting the giant...
1: He just asked me and Gene where he is, even though me and Gene told him. I love Hogan's interview mannerisms when he's got the neck brace on. It makes him look more animated when he moves less.
0: Because <laughs>
1: he's basically just twitching with his, <laughs> you know, with his core staying in the same place and everything else is flailing around.
0: They might as well, they might as well have burnt the American flag, apparently.
1: It's not the worst. This is a bad promo. This is an uncomfortable promo, but it's definitely not the worst of the bunch of this era. We have, we have a. He's he's gonna beat Gorgeous George up in heaven. We have a monster
0: truck and some cop cars.
1: He just said he's going to beat Gorgeous George up in heaven. That's
0: uh, interesting. We've got a monster truck and we've got some officials, including Doug Dillinger. Trying to stop. Oh, there's Sullivan in his uh, taskmaster to get up.
1: Zodiac riding shotgun is, is the image I didn't realize I needed so much.
0: The police apparently are keeping him away by driving behind him. Oh, Hogan's now saying he's going to go out there and meet, meet the giant in the car park. This we're is... still, we're still, we seem to be putting far too much emphasis on the monster truck element of this pay-per-view.
1: Yeah, that's been the case, and it'll be the case until we get havoc out of our systems, I think. Um, that's that's good, do you know what's weird about all of what we just saw? Two years before it became all the rage. We are watching the uh, the split screen things, the, the threat to have a fight outside because they can't fight inside. Uh, chaos with large cars. Hogan's trying to have an edge and he's telling other baby faces to shut up and putting them in their place. All of these things will be used to great success two years later. Now, they didn't work with this bunch of cartoonish buffoons. But a lot of that was really ahead of its time.
0: This is a very, very good point you make. Halloween Havoc 95. And for, We for... haven't reviewed that yet, have we?
1: No, we haven't. Oh, there's a treat. Oh, it's time for the cage match. One other point I want to quickly make while the cage takes a eternity to Lolo is that um, you think uh, of all the things... People try and de- Some people actually try to defend Vince Russo and they say about how ahead of his time he was when he was writing for WWE in 97, 98. Uh, if you look at this, you realise that there was actually all the tools there for Russo to do what he did in every other aspect of his career and plagiarise. But he happened in this case, he took these aspects that didn't fit Nitro though, at the time. And he applied them to people who were drawers and who were successful. Mm. So even that wasn't great visionary from his mind.
0: I know I've mentioned it before, but I do love the fact that all of the clips on the Halloween Havoc advert for Hogan in action are him beating up Vader.
1: You love that.
0: I just love the uh, <laughs> the blat- the blatant desperation of hey look look at it. Hogan beats you up the guy who's left us in case he in case he gets you know, goes to the WWF which goes
1: little good. pooch has an NFL helmet on
0: and uh, Bischoff's got two police officers talking to him
1: are they going to get up on the announce table oh, and here you
0: know, Bischoff's going to tell us they're keeping Hogan and the Giant apart apparently they're so busy keeping Hogan and the Giant apart that two of them have been able to leave their position and go and talk to Eric Bischoff during a live television broadcast. To be,
1: to be fair, i just assume that Bischoff had hired strippers.
0: Was ah, that just tr-
1: when he's in Atlanta? Yeah, probably.
0: So here we go. It's time for a cage match. Ric Flair's music is a playing.
1: So on the one hand, we have got less than 10 minutes left of this video. Yep. On the other hand, it's Flair versus Arn in the cage. It's not going to last long. It's not going. We'd, we'd know more of its folklore if it was amazing. But it's Ric Flair versus Arn in the cage.
0: Even Ric Flair is even hurrying to the ring. He knows that you know, time is running out.
1: But it fits. It, it fits in. You can get away with it here because it's a grudge match with a purpose. Arn already being in the cage on the other hand. That, oh, yeah, that smacks in of Rick. rushing. Yeah, but Flair should totally be arriving like this given the storyline. He's oh, I thought he was going to go straight for arm, but he just ran the ropes instead. Dukes are up.
0: There you go, and on starts off trying to whip Flair into the cage. Gotta say, this is, some Flair.
1: this is a really shitty looking cage,
0: yes. It's flimsy, isn't it?
1: It's short. They've not secured the corners together because of Russian, I guess. But even the chain link is uh, coming off the bars. I don't see what the problem was with the. I uh, people hated it, but I liked the blue bars of WWE back in the old days. Yeah, they
0: were. They were of their time. Oh, Flair goes headfirst into the cage. Is he going to bleed?
1: I think it was more the escape rules than the actual nature of the cage that was a bit weird.
0: Mm.
1: I like the old blue bars.
0: Uh, the old Hogan King Kong Bundy main event. Bundy, of course, on the day Bundy passed away uh, yesterday, the day that we, from the day we we're recording, one of the great big guys. Oh, so we've got a cage match now that's going to a commercial break.
1: Yes, as as, as much as I like the fact we did get Flair and Arn in a cage at some point, this is an ill-conceived idea considering everything.
0: Spinebuster for Marn. This is just rushed to hell though, isn't Mm -hmm. it?
1: I think I'd rather watch GIFs of Arn hitting the spine buster than matches in which he uses it. Because if I watch a full match, it just reminds me that it was technically very seldom his finisher.
0: Oh, it was never his finisher. It was just one of his signature moves, you know.
1: I think it finished a few squash matches on, on, on the oh, usual possible. syndicated shows, but that was yeah. it.
0: We've got a replay of how Flair and Anson were up on the top, and Flair chopped Anderson, and he dropped down and crotched himself on the top rope.
1: Know how WWE meticulously structure their matches for live uh, broadcasts to ensure that the wrestlers are basically just doing a chin lock during the advert break. <laughs> WCW production values at their very best slash worst.
0: Ah. Now Arn goes into the cage and Flair's grinding his head on the uh, on the buckle on the buckle on the cage.
1: He did a little flick with his hand there, but I don't think blood was acceptable at this point, was it?
0: I don't think it was, no. I think they'd gone a bit more PG because didn't they have a war games with no blood and everyone was complaining?
1: I mean, he's not bleeding, so he, he think, just did the yeah. little hand signal like he was going to. Yeah. I th- muscle memory.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> I think the crowd were chanting, we want blood just then.
1: <laughs> we'll, I'm we'll sure surprised. For the record, I don't think a War Games needs blood. Uh, I don't think there was blood in the 94 one with the Stud Stable and the Nasty Boys and the Roaches, And I like that one. But, yeah, the, the, the last War Games was that cartoonish one-sided mess with the Dungeon of Doom and basically yeah. every top face in the company. So, yeah.
0: So, Flair is now ramping up a gear. Big vertical suplex leaves Anderson up there.
1: Selling it himself, as well. I like that.
0: Oh, and Pillman now is trying to, Pillman's trying to get in. Now, given how shit this cage is, it won't take him very long. No, he's climbing the cage. It's a cage without a roof.
1: It's the Flair last is... thing we needed to, uh, to completely make the cage pointless, was to have yes. someone just hop over it.
0: He didn't, he didn't make it. Flair hits a move off the top rope. This is historic. Flair hit a, a double axe handle on Anderson. Pillman didn't get in the cage. Flair now does that old leg crusher, dropping the the knee or the the, the shin across his knee. He's now going for the figure four. Anderson breaks the eyes. Pillman's back to his feet, but outside he, he the cage. He didn't break
1: the eyes. We just found out why Pillman's interference was telling and did negate the cage. Because he put something on his hand and he just knocked his lights out with it.
0: Ah.
1: Yep. Oh. I'm just waiting he for him to call an international had... object. <laughs> oh, he's, Mongo actually used foreign object. Yeah. I missed the early 90s where they actually used international object to avoid making Turner executives nervous yeah he definitely had sank on his fist
0: yes so the cage match ends with interference
1: yeah so that's two wins for on in matches with flair when it did go to a finish uh a cage match and hitting him with a weapon i'm guessing the impetus for Flair turn and reform the horseman isn't it, it was a setup all along. He actually Oh.
0: Oh, Flair's grabbing the headset.
1: He's furious.
0: Oh, Flair's gone crazy, he'll wrestle them both. Flair is doing a maniacal promo wanting two on one, him against Anderson and Pillman.
1: Yeah. So that should be interesting. I'm guessing that's gonna to lead to him recruiting a certain tag partner after that.
0: I'd imagine so.
1: <laughs> so someone who looked very authoritative in playing peacemaker slash dad
0: earlier. <laughs> and that's all gonna
1: be undone when he agrees to team up with Flair like a fucking moron. And
0: Flair has also broken pitch off his headset.
1: Yes, good. But it's still working, so he needs to come back.
0: Yeah. So we're now uh, we're now wrapping up. Well, that that wasn't I don't know. That was just that, that whole episode felt very everything was very very rushed.
1: I think for me technically I've got to say it's it's six from six in good episodes. I was worried with what I knew going in, with little, very little I knew going into this one. I was concerned that it was going to be the first one I didn't enjoy. I enjoyed it enough, but oh, yeah, yes. it's definitely the weakest of the six so far. I'd say.
0: Yes, yeah, storyline-wise, it's keeping you engaged. You're, you're, you know, the stories will continue, and you want to see what happens next week. But the action in the ring is like is very rushed. And I guess, you know, I don't know how long it is before they go to the two hours, but maybe at this point they're thinking we can give the matches a bit longer or, or just put twice as many matches on. Oh,
1: before. yeah, it's, it's been proven over time that two hours is perfect for a TV show. And an hour is very good. But this is their flagship show. So they're not really able to get as much because they're trying to go head-to-head with WWE and put this forward as a huge thing. Uh, An hour is tough to do that. Yes. Two, Two hours Nitro, one hour Saturday night is the sweet spot, if you ask me. Thunder was unnecessary, but what can you do when they're saying, put this show on now? Yeah. Um, the crowd
0: the crowd seemed meh, quiet. They didn't seem massively into things to me.
1: Yeah, where, where was Raw the other week?
0: Uh Raw's Grand Rapids, Michigan.
1: No, the other week, the infamous one where the crowd was abysmal. Was it Corpus Christi?
0: Oh, just recently, you mean? Yeah. Was um, Laf- Lafayette.
1: Lafayette. Louisiana. So, yeah, it... Compared to Lafayette, they were fantastic. Oh, Compared yes. to Chicago standards, yeah, I see what you mean. It's the best or, way to or, gauge uh,
0: it. Or compared, do you remember when they did roar in Liverpool and Vince, uh, or is it Smackdown in Liverpool and Vince cut a promo on the crowd for being generally shit?
1: Do you know what? Here's an interesting thing. We're talking about how the cage match was rushed. A lot of things were rushed. This is how bad their time management were. Uh, we are still listening to the commentators. We have not told anyone on the podcast what they're saying because they're not saying anything. No, They're basically no. filling an extra three minutes.
0: Yes. Next week, Diamond Dallas Page and Johnny B. Bad.
1: They rushed the main event and then had to fill three minutes anyway.
0: Amazing. Why?
1: You know why. Oh, oh for crying. I feel bad from earlier. Why? Because WCW.
0: Yay. <laughs>
1: When we agreed on the name of this podcast, I didn't realise you'd get so much fun out of it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, um, that's also, um, yeah, also just got to mention that one of the, once again, one of the dark matches on this uh, on this show was uh, for the world television title. Sorry? One of the dark matches yes. on, on this was Diamond Dallas Page defeating... Alex Wright to retain the world television title in the ah, match as, as yes
1: device. no I remember now because this happened once before in the watch alongs that's, that's your favourite little quirk yes. isn't it
0: yes we also had Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko but maybe they got a bit more time being a dark match who knows
1: if it, if it makes you feel better they'd continue that trend because over the course of the next year or two the United States title will be held almost exclusively by non-Americans
0: so, oh yes Right. Well, um, that brings episode six of uh, WCW Monday Nitro to an end. Just before I go, a couple of quick, cheap plugs. A couple of big shows I am uh, commentating on very shortly. Uh, March 17th at the Resistance Gallery in Bethnal Green, London. Uh, IPW Live in London. Uh, I said that's Sunday, March 17th. And then a week later, Sunday, March 24th, we are back at um, the Moat Park Centre in Maidstone with our international battle roll. Got some guys from Ring of Honour, Matt Tavern. Um, and we've got, I think, some Rain coming over off the top of my head. I really should research these things before I say anything. Um, nice. But also.
1: Watch alongs, it's unedited. Yeah. Just go with it. Wake also. Up names. If-
0: if you're if you're watching this um, very close to the beginning of March then um, you can see yours truly commentating on sky Channel one nine two at nine p m on friday um this week and next week uh, i will be on the at the commentary desk um, from uh, including um, on next week's main event is a three way between Mark Haskins, Kip Sabian and Pack which is absolutely fantastic so worth going out of your way to watch. Um that is all from us for this week so on behalf of my uh, esteemed colleague Mr. Hat this is a twisted genius saying thanks for watching, thanks for downloading even and I'll see you ringside.